Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back to the third and final part of this week's episode where I'm stomping with Sam Warburton and Kevin on Park. So far, we've discussed Sam's four Ps of leadership, changing careers, and the importance of learning to win and lose. Sam, let's talk about something that I'm very passionate about. And I I think it's fair to say something that is really important to you too. And I can tell that from what we've talked about already, you know, but I think I really want to focus on this. Men's mental health. Has that become more important in rugby now and in sport? Was it important before? Was it kind of spoken about? Because I think from the outside, sometimes rugby is seen as a very like macho, tough sport, don't show weakness. What's your kind of thoughts? No, it's really interesting, actually. Um, I've sort of seen it completely change. Um, people wouldn't talk about it. A lot of people wouldn't acknowledge it uh, in the early days of playing. I remember one player actually was off um, for about a year with it and he told a physio about it. Um, and my, my brother's a physio at, at Cardiff now, professional. He's like, you, he's like, I never realised how much you have to deal with this side of um, health. You think being a physio, you're going to be working on the physical, but you work on a lot of players' mental because you spend a lot of time with them. One player told them, uh, I won't say his name, but I mean, he's spoken out, he's spoken about it and he's doing great fundraising for it, but he said he's uh, depressed. And um, I remember the, my brother told me the story. He said the medic went to the head coach and said, oh, this player's depressed. And this head coach, probably a slightly ge- different generation to you and me, was like, oh, just, you've got to strap up and get on with it. He went, no, no, don't. Don't tell him that. That's the worst thing you can do. He eventually, like, he obviously understood the situation better and then he had the rightfully had the time off work and he came back and he was he came back great and played international rugby again but I think a lot of people felt like that when when people talk about mental health back five ten years ago they go oh you're, you're fine just dust yourself Get off on and carry it on whatever, yeah. that's, that's, it's not it and I, I've seen it I've people say have I gone through mental health I'm like well I guess you know I, I have from a we all have we all every have human it. has and yeah. um, I say it's the youngsters they're like, oh, you must have had it, you know, severe mental health. I'm like, well, yeah, I was nervous and I was anxious a lot of the time. But that's just perfectly normal human behaviour. That you just got to learn that that's it. And I remember my mum used to say to me, like, never let your nerves get the better of you. And so you think something's going to be really bad. But when you actually do it, it's probably not as bad as you yeah. think. And I'd go somewhere, I'd do something, play a game. You'd go, how was it? Was it as bad as you thought? And I said, no, it wasn't. It's fine. But I was happy to, but I knew if I put myself into that space, I'd get over it. But... I've had family members who are, you know, who've gone through mental health at the extreme end. So I've seen it, you know, at its absolute worst. Really, mental illness. Yeah, you know, and I'm talking, you know, hospitalised and stuff like that. So I completely get the extreme end of mental health. And that's why I really sympathised with it. I saw what it did to that family, which was, you know, my extended family. And um, it, was, it was tough. And it was, you know, it was so, it was really hard for the family to go through. So when I knew a player was going through it, that's when it's a strange rugby. You think you think it's an alpha environment. It's not until you open up, like we're talking now, that the boys will go, "Oh, mate!" Hand like, shoulder, and because yeah. you know, you're all part of this like brotherhood and team, and you want the best for each other. So I think people, and that's what they say, speak. You'd be so surprised when you actually just say to someone, oh, "I'm, I wouldn't mind having a chat about something yeah. here," you know. And 
Are You're surprised that they actually do want to listen and actually not just that, they do care. Because they've probably been there themselves. We all have, we're all, we're all human. So do you know what? I was walking um, down the stream this morning on my first walk and there's loads of flowers. And unfortunately a young girl took her life last week um, from where I am. And there was all these notes. I, I saw these, these flowers on the bench and I went over and she started reading the notes. I got a bit tearful because I got a six year old girl now. And I'm thinking, oh, she's got this world. And all these notes were saying, and you were so damn pretty, I noticed. Mm. Now, this girl might have had a lot of abuse about how she looked. Mm. I don't know, right? But I'm thinking, it's lovely that those people have all sent flowers and they've done notes, but it shouldn't take that yeah. for you to have to say something. Yeah. Say it now. Like, yeah. you, you don't have to wait to that point. And I just think, you know, looking at my girl now who's six, who's going to grow up in this social media world where, you know, teenagers think that following gives them credibility. You know, if you, oh, he's probably got, imagine, I can imagine conversations in high schools where they're going, oh, Alex over there, he's mm. got 2,300 mm. followers and Sam's got like only one and a half thousand. Do you think that defines them? It yeah, doesn't. It's so it's I almost like a scoring thing. It's yeah, just such a, I, I don't it's like such that a falsity of, uh, of the world, isn't it? And in, in, in that space, you know, what really matters is, you know, your values, the way that you behave and conduct yourself and also how, you know, how you view yourself but that's not that's cool really in school is it? it but they don't realize that They're, they think that's not cool in school so what my daughter now i'm always like if i see her i always wanted to be very like self-assured and you know com com like confident i always be like oh i love your dress Anna. that's beautiful or i say oh, i love your hair today mummy's done that lovely you know and, love you, know, you know just little things i, love that. I can't without over egging it i'm always doing that because i never because i not because this unfortunate situation happened with the girl, I was like this before, but I don't want her to ever get to that situation. Yeah. But as a friendship group, as friends, people, we should be doing that anyway. You know, we it's, should be helping people. It's wanting to, you know, I always, it's something that I've been thinking more and more about, is, especially with, you know, blues of my brother, is like, you don't know when's the last time you're going to give someone a hug. You don't know when's the last time you can say, I love you or I'm thank you, like, I'm grateful for you. Yeah. And, you know, when, when, when a time comes and they're not there, you think, oh God. And I was very lucky that the last time I saw Clear was when he's actually worked experience with me in the hospital before the pandemic. And we had a real hug and it yeah, was a good nice. memory. And we'd just gone for food the night before and it was a good memory. And I'm yeah. grateful for that. If we'd have yeah. fallen out or something, exactly. it'd have been horrible. But, you know, it's, it is really important that we just, I think we can be so much, when I say be kind in this whole like modern thing, a lot of it is actually just not about going on, thinking about necessarily online or that kind of thing. It's about, interactions around you yeah. are you kind to your the people you'll have a laugh your mates and tease and whatever and i tease holly but holly knows that <laughs> i always care about her and everyone you know around me and i i'd like to think i try to say thank you for that yeah you know i think with kids growing up it's like forget the likes and all this stuff like say to people that you know thank you for supporting me with that or you know you are a good friend to me sure my, my mum and dad always said that my mum would always be like manners don't cost a penny and they always brought i like think they brought me up really well where and like, you know, when I was in school, I remember getting in fights in school because kids would be like, say somebody's in the crease batting and he wasn't out, but say he was like, you know, picked on kid. They bowl at him, but they go, yeah, you're out. And he wouldn't be out. Mm. I go, no, no, he's not yeah. out. And then the boys go, no, he's out. Go, he's not yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was in primary yeah. school, I get in fights yeah. sticking up for this kid. Yeah. And when I was in secondary school, we used to have um, like a, a unit where, you know, the children needed a bit more help and bit more challenged and people wouldn't give them the time of day to speak to them they'd like because they you know they come and talk and my mate some of my, some of my, my friends would give them the time of day i'd always speak to them yeah. and give them the time of day and i don't know why but it's just I, I like to think i've i've always been a good person i've always been polite and like, even when it comes to signatures my brother told me this and it's so true he said it might be your hundredth but it's always there first yes. and i yes. always remember that and oh, i never forget brilliant. how a footballer treated me in a good way when i met him as a young kid so i'm thinking 
yeah, I want to make sure that if someone meets me, yeah. they, you know, it's a positive experience. And I know a lot of guys, I've seen a lot of pro guys who've yeah. been really bad. It um, is hard sometimes. And yeah. I think it's generally like, you know, you never, you could have just had a really difficult match and a difficult day. And you're like, it's the last thing I want to do is yeah. speak to that person. But that person, it might be the moment they take away and yeah. hold on to. And you want them to hold on to it yeah. in a good way. What's that saying? If you're lovely to someone, they'll tell five, ten people. Exactly. If you're horrible to them, they'll tell a thousand. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> true. If nothing else. <laughs> it's so true. They, but they, they could have idolized you. Yeah. See someone like yourself, right? Somebody could love you for like 10 years. They finally see you in a supermarket and you go, no, not now, mate. Yeah, that, that would crush someone, you know? So I always think the whole be kind thing. I was actually going to visit my uncle in, um, he lives in Denmark the other day. And, you know, my dad, my brother, me, were all very similar placid people. And we were going through security. And my dad said, see, if ever in the world was like you and me, this wouldn't be happening. I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, we're not going to want to take over a plane. This is only here for the security mm. of other people. Mm. But if everyone in the world was like you and me, this, none of this rubbish would be happening. We got delayed and all this. But I remember thinking, it's so true. The minority of, absolute minority of people cause so much disruption for the majority of us. But when it's just about being kind, being nice, it's such an obvious thing. But it's actually surprising how, how a lot of people just don't perceive you know, the world like that. But yeah, I've always liked to think that I'll always give time to people. I've never, I can honestly say I'm, I can honestly, I've never turned down a signature. Yeah. Never turned down. Never ever. Because one day, I'm going to be old and grey. I'm getting there now. <laughs> getting there now. But so people, the Fox, they're mate. not going to care. They're not going to care. So enjoy it while you can, you know. But yeah, be kind is just... Well, I think they will way. care again. You're being far too humble. You might have heard the bark then, but Ladders just literally chase the squirrel. And the oh, squirrel he loves a squirrel. The <laughs> you, you, you've got to be a bit quicker, mate, than that. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to catch many, squir many squirrels off the line there, I don't think. <laughs> Talking about men's mental health, one of the things that really I think is really sad for me and, and something that I focus on in, in my role is that we could have the best mental health support system ever, right? But the problem is, at the moment, not enough men talk. We know that of men who take their own lives, up to around half, if not more of them, have never told anyone they're struggling at all. So someone has gone to the point That's where crazy. they make a binary decision, an irreversible decision, and no one knows. And to me, that is so sad and such a... If you think about society, like, why have we got this thing where men will end their own lives before they go to a mate or a family or the wife and go, do you know what? Things aren't good. I mean, look at... I mean, not to to go into the situation we obviously lost a, a welsh coach a few years ago who was i didn't and i've never, never met him but he was known well you know football manager is a fantastic yeah. individual yeah gary speed and and you know we lost him uh, and you know i don't know the situation don't know how much people knew or didn't know but it's just it's just a horrible thing that happens and you think gosh i wish we could have helped that person god but I, that's why i mentioned when you speak to someone i think people will be blown away with the outpouring and this is a very trivial example but like like, I didn't realise it. When I, when I retired, I announced my retirement. And you, you always, I think most people, a lot of sports and fields, you have like this imposter syndrome. You think that, you know, you're not as good as, as you are. Um, but I finished playing and I was in Heathrow by chance going to a, a wedding in Italy. And my Twitter absolutely exploded. I was actually in tears in Heathrow reading the nice messages. Wow. But that feeling it gave me was amazing. But... Unless I retired, I never would have known that. Yeah. But I, I kind of thought, I'm not saying that everybody should praise me or praise yeah. their favourite. But my point being is, it, it takes something like that. And I, I got out of rugby for physical and mental reasons. I just, I, I didn't, I just wasn't enjoying playing it anymore. You know, I loved it when I did, but I just wasn't enjoying playing it. So I took myself out of that situation. But it, like you say, it takes 
that's a sporting example. But it takes, unfortunately, someone to take their life until people come out and say, oh... And they How say, wonderful they are. And don't, don't, don't let that happen, you know? But I think also as well, like, I've got a couple of friends who... I, some, I won't say who they are, but sometimes I can get concerned about them. It's not hard when you just sat on your lounge to just pick up my WhatsApp and just go... How you doing, Hey, mate? make food anytime soon? Yeah. Are you about? Or fancy... Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's not hard, you know, and that could, but you don't realise that could mean the world to someone, yeah. you know, if they are in a, in a bit of a dark place, you know, so, yeah. It's having speak. that gut instinct as well, isn't it? If you've got a mate and you think, they're not being themselves, I don't know if you've got a mate like this who kind of, they're, they're, they're kind of there and present a lot of the time, then all of a sudden they go quiet, you don't hear from them as much. Yeah, people, yeah. What's going on? And it's sometimes going in your gut feeling, going, oh, it's not something not right. Yeah. And it's easy for us to go, oh, I'll deal with it tomorrow. It's probably nothing. Yeah, I know. But actually just take that opportunity because you reaching out that hand, especially with men, I think, and saying, look, mate, what's going on? Yeah. What's happening? You know, giving that opportunity. You can get them speaking as men just find it so hard just to go, oh, do you know what? I'm not feeling good. I think, I don't know why. Maybe it's like a, is it a cultural thing? Like blokes feel this need to be macho when i um when i did my, my book they thought it was going to be this like probably stereotypical rugby book rah rah drinking end of season socials you know all these sorts of things and they were going to call it something kind of obvious like too big too fast too strong about the collision sport and all that they got their transcript back and they were like oh, my position was open side and the book was called open side they were like oh my god i didn't realize how vulnerable you were in a lot of these situations ringing my mum up in the middle of the night while i'm in new zealand playing like the biggest game of my life saying i want to leave i want to get out yeah. i can't do this anymore they're like this you see this rugby tough alpha exterior but no we all go through it you know and i think and i can tell you now most all of the players go through it if you saw a rugby changing room for the bits for tv it's all them um, banging yeah. chests hitting the wall i tell you now most of the time it's people in chains like this tapping their foot it's just like, oh my God, yeah. like what's coming, you know? And you've got to get yourself in that mindset. You flick that switch really quick, but there's a shed load of anxiety and nervousness. So it's normal. Like, so I think when that, that's why I'm glad I did that book because I've had a lot of people who You'd have saved lives from it because, yeah. do you know, and I, and I just listened to it. I cannot tell you how many people would imagine you as, and I mean, I say this from a sense of, because you are, I think you're very well loved on and off the pitch. It's very <laughs> obvious, but in terms of being a captain, and being, you know, the leader that you are and were on the pitch, people would think, gosh, he never has difficult times. He's yeah. always self-assured. He's always, you are a cool-headed person. He yeah. probably never had times where he felt this way. But yeah. I think showing vulnerability is such a sign of strength. And actually it makes other men go, actually, do you know what? That Sam, yeah. who was literally you know, one of the most, like, up here in the, in the sport and we look up to him and we sit in the pub thing he talks about it so why can't we and i i think for yeah. for a lot of men it, it, it is something like that and i had a number of people messaged me even with post your pill i take medication for anxiety people messaged me going oh you know i actually i've gone to see the doctor and it might not be on medication it might be getting them back into exercise or sport yeah, or even yeah. just talking about it sometimes yeah. even for men just talking about it the problem decreases so much but like you know i was i can be very well that's a, when i played i was very aggressive you know i was a very aggressive player mm. and I love competition, but yeah. there's, there's always oh, times of weakness. <laughs> Glad but, you never tackle. You're not tackling me at the end of this. Yeah. I'm not holding a rope bag for you to tackle. So I, I say, but people see that, but then I'm like, yeah, but that's not all the time. 
there are so many times where I felt vulnerable and wanted to give up and anxious, you know, but that's not sexy for TV. So the TV don't show it. They show the bits where you're so should, angry. Should, should sports show more of that? I think should so. Because you know, do you know one thing I Off like? Off-the-wall documentaries do you, know what, do, you know, do you know the drive to survive? The one thing I really, I love with Formula 1 as well as rugby, and I love all sport really, but it, it shows the other side. People go, oh what, these Formula 1 drivers have the meltdowns, all the teams are arguing. It's like, it shows the reality of yeah. what life's really like. And I think sometimes, I know. I think, with football and uh, and rugby, we sometimes just show the the national anthem and the looking very smart, the shirts on, and don't show maybe that kind of. And I think Emotion we should have the behind. Yeah. We should show in the dressing rooms, not to just kind of show stir up drama or whatever, but to show look. Actually, people go on win things. I mean, I'm sure it's the same in New Zealand and England, all the other uh, changing rooms. There's times where everyone's falling apart. Do you know what? It's going to be. I was chatting to. I will say his name because he's World Cup winner. I was chatting to Martin Johnson, yeah. um, CBE World Cup winner for yeah. England. Probably the single greatest, arguably the single greatest captain rugby has ever had. Certainly from England and the North. And um, we were chatting about eating food pre-match and he was like, man, I used to think, I was like, I'm so glad you said that. You'd eat a meal two, three hours before kickoff. And I used to, I used to take like, an, like half an hour to eat it. He's like, oh mate, I hated pre-match meals. I used to be pushing my food around, my food around the plate for half an hour thinking, why am I putting myself through this? Oh, wow. Steve Redgrave said the same when he used to row. Um, he said before his Olympic races, he'd be thinking, why am I putting myself through this? This is horrible. I do don't want to do this. But, but we all go through it. That. No. But honestly, I but can tell you, it. as a bystander, yeah. as, a, as a, a viewer, I would never know that. Yeah, but then that's when I hear that, and when I go on these Lions tours and you're meeting some of your heroes when you're young going on yeah. tours, you quickly realise, wow, we're all the same. Yeah. And, it, and people are like, what's it like with him and him? And I'm like, he's a normal guy. Yeah. But all well, I've you know? met you, and, and I, you are the most not normal but normal person <laughs> in, in, a, in the nicest way because you are. No, but you're right. I say this to people. You when are they, a normal person. I say this to people. They like meet someone, they're nervous, and like, what he's achieved might be slightly yeah. um, unorthodox and, and different, but he is completely normal. Yeah. The person behind that is completely normal. You know, they build up sportsmen to be these exteriors because it's great for marketing and rivalries yeah. and all these things. But the actual person is very normal, yeah. you know, it's the same. And rugby is a very, I find that in Wales in particular, we all come from normal working class backgrounds and, you know, we stay close to our roots, you know, that's why I love, I love rugby, but all the rugby guys are very grounded guys, yeah. you know. Like so. Liam Williams, I mean, I, I, I have the pleasure of meeting him a good few times and he's oh, another nice. example, yeah. such a nice... That's such a nice bloke. Well, yeah, that's why his forearms are like that. (laughs) For a guy his size, he tackles like a train. Yeah, but he's tough, but he's a lovely (laughs) guy. He is. He's the most quiet-natured, lovely guy. Then you get on the pitch, you run into him, you know. (laughs) I mean, I've only seen the tackles. I haven't felt them. I'd imagine (laughs) they hurt. Each week I talk to my guests about what their toolkit for life is. So we talk about the stomping toolkit and what you need for that. So outside of getting in nature and things, what are the things that kind of get you through life and the good times and the bad? Yeah, my wife. <laughs> she, I've been with my wife since, uh, God, I remember I fancied her when I was 15. And um, I remember setting my eyes on her then and we got together when I was about 17 years old. She's the only person I've ever been with. She knows me better than anyone, but she is literally like my rock, you know, like she's always there through my rugby career, in my career now, starting a family, like, so my wife, like, oh, I, I hate to think of life without her, but she's like, she's amazing for me. So like, and then family come into that. You know, my family is massive. Like I say, it's why I didn't move away to France to play. It's why I've stayed local to where I am. So my wife and my family are just so important to me. You take that away, that would take away a lot of my, my happiness, you know. And then it sounds a little bit selfish, a bit strange, but like, honestly, training. I, I don't know why. I've, I've People say, oh, you're training for vanity. I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, it's, it's all right to look all right, but I'm like, but I love 
training. I love that battle. That, like you go through an hour of adversity, you get through it, and you feel so good from it. I don't know if it's quite. I don't know if it's like a primal. Th it must be. It's like a primal thing. You know, you go through a bit of a struggle, you come out, and you feel better and stronger for it. So I love you know my family uh, training. I do. I do think having purpose as well. That was a big one when I felt maybe a little bit lost. You know, when I retired. Um, finding a purpose and something that I'm genuinely passionate about and now those passions are you know being a good dad for my, my, my daughter and my, my son people are like, what drives you I'm like I love the school runs the best thing is when they finally clock me when I pick them up from school and they smile and run at me like oh. I want to be a really good dad I want to be a really good dad you know and I want them to be close to me and because I had an amazing relationship with my mum and dad, I think the world of them, and I'd love my kids to think of me the same way I think of my mum and dad. So, you know, people are, what drives me? That drives me. You know, family, I want to be there for when they get exams in school or go to university and get married and all these things I've got to look forward to, you know? So, I've got like, you know, I mentioned from a purpose, from a career perspective, yeah, you've got the broadcasting, I want to try and, you know, do World Cups and Lions Tours broadcasting, which I've been fortunate to do them. and you know, continue to grow, you know, my business, which is something I'm passionate about. So I've got my work sort of purpose as well, but my main purpose is like my family, you know, and that's the most Im important thing to me. So going on dog walks, training, my career is great, but then having my wife and my kids and my mum and dad around me and spending time with them is the number one, you know, thing for me to be happy. I think that's pretty good. That's a pretty good toolkit for life. So I've got to ask you this question. <laughs> no, okay, here I we was go. thinking about. <laughs> I was thinking about it. Right, what is the biggest challenge, being the captain of like lions and whales, or being a parent? Oh, parent! <laughs> really? Oh, parent! My goodness! I thought you were going to say. I thought oh. it, was like, I think it must be difficult, but surely being a captain. Oh God! It's um. I remember when we had a newborn, my first newborn, and it's it's tough. He was having all the what they call the witch in our ways. She was screaming for three hours a night and there's nothing you can do about it. But I remember thinking, this is nowhere near as hard as uh, a training camp. Yeah. I'm like, Rach, said to my wife, I remember <laughs> we were going through it like midnight sort of feeds and stuff and, you know, sleep deprivation and all that. You don't really know what you're doing on the first one. You're juggling, you know, a load of balls and you're trying to combine it with work and things. And I was like, oh, this is nothing though compared to training camp, you know. Training camp is so <laughs> much harder. But the, that was like, I was a bit naive because that was just the start having like two kids now and raising two kids is the best thing in the world. I hate it when people have kids and they go, oh, you're not gonna be able to go out anymore. You gotta do all these life changes. They make it sound negative. Yeah, of course those things change. But I always say to someone, if they're having kids, like you're gonna love it. Yeah. It's amazing because when they smile at you, or like I say, a school pickup or the small things, or when they say like, my daughter should go like, love you daddy. I'm like, oh. God, <laughs> like little, it's so worth it. But it's harder because I saw somebody saying this before, they said, no job I've done when I've left the house for 12 hours, whatever it is, I do a day's work. Looking after and raising two kids or one kid is much harder work. Being a single parent, I think, must be the hardest job. You know, I've got so much respect for those people because you've got to do the right thing all the time. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's physically, emotionally, mentally, it can be draining. So picking up kids is the most rewarding thing. But it's definitely the hardest because you, you're shaping them, you know, you're shaping them into be a good person. And it takes a lot of effort and energy, you know, when, when you care about your kids. So, yeah, I mean, the physical toll obviously is a sport. But when you combine everything, you know, yeah, having kids is, is, the, is the hardest challenge, but the best and most rewarding without a doubt. Well, Sam, I'd say they're, they're very lucky to have you as the dad. <laughs> and I mean that. They, I'm sure they're very proud of you.
Right, so we're going to do our health fact of the week, and I think you're going to enjoy this one. Nice. It's very, very fitting. Um, and I am cheating, so I've got my phone now. <laughs> it's a long journal name. Uh, so according to a study published in the International Journal of Behavioural Nutrition and Physical Activity in 2013, the most common psychological health benefit of playing sport was improved self-esteem. It also found that team sport had more improved health outcomes, more benefits, when compared to individual activities due to the social nature of participation. Are you surprised? Or? No, I, I completely get that, because that's kind of how you know, I feel playing team sports, you know, it's great for you. And that's why I mentioned I wanted my nephews to do it because I thought how much it can help improve them. So, and I say it might not even, if somebody's thinking, well, I can't join a sports team, I'm 45, I'm not going to start playing rugby or football now. It's like, yeah, but you can find a community still, you know, you can find, that's why like these online training apps like Strava and things are great because you can, you can't do it personally, you can do it virtually. But yeah, no, 100% agree with that. I think that camaraderie and sense of belonging you get with a team and a group of people is, um, is what we're all about really as humans. Unbelievable. Well, Sam, I'm going to say the biggest thank you to you. I wish you the best of luck, of course, at SW7 Academy. And for people uh, who are interested in this, how can they find out about SW7 Academy? Uh, yeah, it's on the website, sw7academy.com, and we're on Instagram at SW7 Academy and TikTok as well. But I just want to say thanks as well for inviting me along. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And also, to look at look at Ladders here. He's, got, uh, he's, he's got a dirty dirt. pup. He's a dirty pup. <laughs> he chased one squirrel. That's not bad. One that's squirrel. Bad. He didn't quite get it. We had a great time. <laughs> thank you, everyone. We're going to be back next Monday with another episode of the Stompcast. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this please do share the episode tell people about it and most importantly put on those boots and get stomping take care and see you soon ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.